From his first job flipping burgers at McDonald's and delivering the Washington Post, Craig Willett counts only one and a half years of his adult life working for someone else. Welcome to the Biz Sherpa Podcast with your host, Craig Willett, founder of several multi-million dollar businesses and trusted advisor to other business owners. He's giving back to help business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs achieve fulfillment, enhance their lives, and create enduring wealth. The Biz Sherpa. This is Craig Willett, The Biz Sherpa. Thanks for joining me today in the Sherpa's Cave. I've got with me a special guest, Doug Wing. Doug is the son of probably one of my favorite business owners that I ever knew, Hal Wing. Hal passed away nine years ago, but he leaves a legacy with his business, Little Giant Ladder Systems, Wing Enterprises, with his sons, but he also leaves a legacy in my mind for a lot of things. And Doug is in the process of writing a book that his dad, I think, started. Is that right, Doug? Welcome, Doug Wing. Thank you, Craig. Great to see you again. It's good to be with you. So your dad kind of started this book, didn't he? Yes. Before he passed away, he started a book and... um, the title of that book was Ladders I Have Climbed, and um, I've kind of changed that a little bit. I'm working with an author who's written about 18 books. Yeah, I think now. he'd know a little something about titles. And, uh, so are you willing to say the new working title? Sure. Yeah. The name of the book is Giant Success. Wow. So it's- That's great. It's really going to be focusing on you know what Hal Wing did as a boss, how he grew his company and how he treated people, and it'll have some principles that can be taught to other companies, uh, executives, sales teams, things like that. Yeah. And with the little giant ladder, there's a lot to go with that giant success. But I also like, because your dad's a giant of a man, you know, there aren't very many men I stand next to that I'm taller than, but I do remember I was a little taller than your dad. Anyway, he's a great man. What are some of the principles that you think people should take away from that book? Well, I think the main re, uh, the main principle of the book that will really be focused on quite heavily is um, if you try to build a business and not people, you're not going to be successful. But if you build people uh, in your business, then the rest will happen. And so I don't know if you remember seeing that little oh, yeah. quote outside, on the, outside the door. Of the building. Yeah, yeah, outside says, the building. First thing I saw when I walked in the first time. Yeah. And so, you know, Zig Ziglar talks about that a lot too in some of his things that he used to say. Basically, you can get anything you want to out of life if you help enough people get what they want. And, th- and so that's really the philosophy behind, I think, my dad's whole, uh, you know, how to treat your employees. He also used to say that um, the most important thing in any business was not the buildings, the patents, the, the products, but it was really the people. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So you had a chance to work for him. What was that like? Well, I mean, right? If he's going to build people, he built you and your brother. And I think I've associated with you for a number, for a couple decades now or more. So, yeah. The only place I've ever worked at, one company, and it was incredible. Um, of course, when you're younger, you know, in your teenager and you're building ladders and you're, they're working you like a dog, you know, you don't so love it. So he didn't it cut all you any favors. He didn't put you in a corner office first day. No, no. He, and I, that's one thing that I learned from him honestly, that I really appreciate now was number one, we really had to work for everything we got. And he started us at the bottom. And so we learned every position in the company. I think that helps help me and my other family members in two ways. One, it obviously taught you how the company works 
what you know each position does and and helps you with your knowledge of the products and the company and then the other thing it really helps you appreciate the people that work there because you do those jobs for maybe a couple of years in the summers and things and you see people that have been there 25 years building ladders and you're like these guys are just rock solid right you know so i mean it really gives you appreciation for the people and you get to know them yes i i noticed that was one thing i that struck me the first time i took a tour of your factory with your dad. Hal took me around and he knew every person's name mm-hmm. and they weren't wearing name tags. And he knew something about them. He would tell me stories about, we'd walk from one station to the next. He'd say, you know, that person we just talked to, here's something about them, Yeah, which is amazing. He was really good with people. I mean, uh, when he passed away um, and he was inducted into the Utah Valley business, the pillar of the community. And the governor came and spoke, the governor of Utah. And he said, Hal Wing always said he was in the ladder business, but that's not true. He was in the people business. And so exactly what you're saying is a guy could walk through the plant, knew every person. It was incredible to me because there were people that were only there for a month or so, and he knew who they were. And I don't, I don't know if he had a photographic <laughs> memory, but it was, it was a gift, you know, and, and right. I really had to work hard to, um, to learn the name me of, i'd be taking a few notes yeah. <laughs> what was your name again <laughs> sure but he had that gift and he yeah. used it and he had the ability to really make people feel um, welcome our company was more like a family uh you've been there quite a bit yes. in different meetings and things very unique culture every meeting began with a word of prayer which is very unusual yeah, and that and, was one of the things that i have written down that stands out among all the business lessons i've ever learned and being a man of faith myself you know I do pray in the mornings and I pray in the evenings and at other times during the day, but certain key meetings I never really thought of in my own businesses to start with the word of prayer, but I've now adopted that after walking into your dad's boardroom for the Mm -hmm. first time, being invited on the board and to have someone open that with a prayer. Yeah, truly unique. And, and he did believe that, you know, of course in God and in a higher power. And, uh, you know, it was really interesting. He told me several times before he passed away that, the things that he'd been blessed with, um, you know, which w- were great. He said, someday I'm going to have to meet my maker and I'm going to have to give an accounting for this. And, you know, how did I treat people? You know, did I help them? Those types of things. And those are really the things that mattered to him. Right. Well, you know, this is coming from a man that probably had to start and scrap his way up too, right? I mean, it wasn't easy in the latter business in the early days of the company, was it? No, it wasn't easy. There's some great stories that are going to be in the book. I mean... Um, you know, if you think about starting a company today, uh, you know, there's a lot of tech startups that become very successful quickly and make millions and billions for people. And, you know, little giant, people don't realize that it started in 1972 and it had its highs and lows, ups and downs. And one thing that I don't think people would do today is my dad was going around in a station wagon you know, sleeping on his ladders right. on a foam pad. Because he didn't have money for the hotel. Yeah, he could only stay in a hotel about every four or five nights, he said. And and so he would sleep in his car, oftentimes in a parking lot. The police would tap on his window and say, <laughs> you can't sleep here, move your car. And then he said, hey, every morning I'd go to a, you know, like a gas station restroom and shave and brush my teeth. I mean, wow. I'm thinking how many of us today would, you know, would do that. And just the sacrifice he went through, the drive, the determination that he didn't give up, he didn't quit. And he made the company into a huge success and and to a multi-million dollar company. I think your brother told me once that he doesn't eat peanut butter sandwiches today because that's all he could afford to eat growing up. And so he, yeah. he, he can't stand them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's true. I mean, people see his success, you know, later, 
And, uh, you know, he enjoyed nice things, had a lot of vehicles, cars and things, and but it wasn't always like that. And people didn't see the lean years. Um, also, when I was growing up in the, you know, in the summers and well, through the whole year, my dad was gone over 300 days a year in junior high and high school. And so there was a sacrifice. On the road selling. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, he really, he paid the price. Um, he didn't really take care of himself the way, but I don't think he could have, you know, doing what he's doing, but, but, um, man, he built a great company and what a legacy, you know, he left for us. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why, uh, I'm doing this book is really to cement his legacy, let people know, you know, what it took to build this company and then, um, you know, to help them with their companies and, in the, you know, dealing with people. I think that's great. So one of the, probably the overriding principle to walk away from is you have to build the people. They make the organization, they make the company, they make the product, they make the market. Yes. What other principles that stand out to you that someone can take away from reading this book? Well, one other one that I can think of is um, complete honesty and integrity and uh, how Wing had that. Uh, I can think of a couple of stories uh, regarding that. He he would come into sales meetings all the time and he would say, this was one of his quotes that will be in the book and there'll be a chapter about this, but he'd say, you can tell people anything you want to as long as it's the truth. And so, you know, he was just, we're not going to lie about, you know, other products or we're going to tell the truth and we're going to take the upper road. Because as you know, throughout the, the course of the company, you know, we were a high quality product and often, um, Imitated, I guess I would say. Knocked uh, off. Knocked off yeah. and at a lower By price. Cheaper and, yeah. and cheaper materials and not yeah. quite the same. And so right. people would, one one other line that was great, people would panic sometimes and, and you know, sales guys would come in and they'd say to Hal, oh, have you seen this latest knockoff? It's half the price. And my dad would calmly look at him and he'd say, they know what their product's worth and so do we. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a lot of confidence to yeah. do that, right? And I think that's a valuable lesson to a lot of business owners. So often we want to price to the competition when we really need to price to the differentiator that we have. Mm -hmm. And he has a lot of differentials in it. And so if you haven't seen it yet, look at the episode we did with Art Wing at Little Giant Ladder. And we demonstrate some of those and the infomercials on there. So you'll get to see how Wing, even nine years after he passed, I mean, that's one of the, the still more popular infomercials today, still yeah. going, that he still appears on it. Yeah, and in fact, there's a story about also when when the infomercial first came out, of course, we were, went from producing about 400 ladders a day to 7,000. I mean, when the wow. light switch got flipped overnight. So it was incredible, right? We went 24-6 and... My dad had this, I, you know, people say intuition, but you and I know what it is. My dad gets this feeling one night, go down to the shop. And so he goes down in his house slippers and they are producing on the swing or grave, whichever shift it was, they're producing crappy ladders. I mean, they're making junky ladders. You've got uh -oh. all these new people and, you know, they brought some of the leaders over uh, right. to be But it's hard to maintain that quality when yeah, you that, go that. Yeah, that quick. And so how stops the production line? And he says, gather everybody together. And um, he says, we are building quality. Tonight, we're going to destroy nine, these 900 ladders you've built. We're cutting them all up. Wow. We're going to throw them in the garbage bin. We are going to build quality. Unbelievable wow. story. Of, what a story. But how, I mean, you're the one doing it and he's not blaming you. He's just saying, hey, we're going to start over. Yeah, he didn't, you know, he didn't really tear into anybody. He just said, this is not, a, every ladder that goes out has my name on it. And um, these are not up to my name. And 
they chopped up ladders the rest of the night, threw them in the wow. recycle bin and started over again. Think about it, though. Put yourself in the place of the people on the production line that night. You did all your work. You're, you think you're proud of it. And then the owner comes in and makes you cut them up and stays there with you while you cut them up. Yeah. That's going to make you think twice about the quality the next time, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, what a living lesson. Yeah. And and you've met him before. I mean, he was such a stickler on cleanliness and quality and- Oh, perfectionist and, in some respects. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that's one thing that really helped Little Giant through the years is we never, ever um, sacrificed the quality and um, then the, you know, the integrity of the salespeople, the employees, and then also the innovation that we were able to do. It just put us you know, so many steps ahead of those that were just trying to strictly cut us off on price. Right. And I think, you know, and I'm not sure, I still haven't figured out where all the, no one, well, I've heard some people claim partial to the innovation, but I still don't know who the king of the innovation was. I'm not sure it was Hal. And I believe it has something to do with surrounding himself with good people mm-hmm. and that he really does believe that. And I know by somebody who became the president one day, that person was kind of an inventor type anyway, Ryan Moss. Yes. Oh, well, I give Ryan Moss a lot of credit, and so did Hal. Uh, and, and, you know, Ryan Moss himself is a very, very good story to tell. And that will be a part of the book that Hal oh, had this. And, ab- he's, and we've got the episode yeah. on him, and Ryan tells a great yeah. story. Well, Hal had this ability to, again, when he saw somebody, he didn't see them as they currently were, but he saw their worth and what their potential. And so I think he saw Ryan one day, obviously, and thought, wow, I like this guy. He's got potential, brings him on. Ryan started building ladders and worked his way up to be the CEO of the company. Now, that- How many people do do that? That in itself is incredible. And And then you look at his education. Yeah, he has a high school education. Right. So- um, in fact, I was interviewing a guy and he said, your dad had the unique ability to um, make in us. And he was talking about himself. He said, to make in me. He goes, I I knew your dad cared about me so much that I did not want to disappoint him. And, I, and so I just worked so hard for him because I knew he cared about me. Wow. And that is really cool, you know? Yeah. Somebody once told me that when they feel loved and love, someone takes an interest or care for you, it's the greatest motivating factor. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't thought about this before, but I had someone tell me that one day and it stuck with me ever since. Yeah. Well, toward, I'll tell you something, towards the end of his life, you know, he had heart problems and he was in ICU about three or four times before he passed away. And he was so sick and he one day, he knew he was gonna die. He knew he was gonna die, he got dressed, and he was as white as this table and these walls and got in his suit. And my mom's like, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to go talk to my employees. He went and said goodbye to his employees and everybody was in tears. He was in tears, but he loved his people so much, you know, that he, and then a few days later he was gone, but what a man, you know, just loved his people and they were everything to him. And, and, and he said before, he said, I know my people will, they, they would climb mountains for me, you know, because they knew that he would climb mountains for them. Well, and I think that's a good lesson in and of itself, right? You don't expect people to do something you wouldn't do yeah. yourself. Well, I don't know if you remember this, but the salesman used to have to go um, and work a week every year in manufacturing, and they called it. They call, it was supposed to be called Hal Week, but some <laughs> of the called salesmen Hell week. <laughs> called it Hell Week. You know, like playing football, right, in the right. beginning of two days and all that when you start football. But um, Hal Wing was the first guy out there every year and did his week. I mean, wow, how many? You know, chairman of the boards do that, right? Not very many. Wow. But he set the example. What you brought up was incredible. You know, he not only talked the talk, he walked the walk too. 
Yeah, and I think that's really important because that's what what you said. I think we started out talking about integrity, and yeah. if the integrity is to do what you say you're going to do, yeah, but also to expect of others what you expect of yourself. Yeah, I think it go, it's two ways. Yeah, the other the other lesson with Hal on integrity was when you know he sold the company to that big company. And, uh, in San Jose, and then they just ran all their companies into the ground, and and Little Giant was no more. Right, and um, you know I learned some that lesson when I tell you this. And story. that was in the eighties. It was in the eighties, yeah. and um, Hal walks into Central Bank, and you know the Packard family, oh, yeah. and he he says to Cal Packard, um, who was our stake president at the time and president of the bank, and he says, "I need a million dollars from you. I don't have the money. I don't have any collateral." I promise you I'll pay you back. I've always paid you back. This is what I need it for. I need a building. I need to buy the assets back to the company. And he stood up and shook Hal's hand and goes, Hal, we believe in you. You've always kept your word. I'll give you the money. Now, I'm not sure banking could be done that way today, but it might be with certain banks, but that's amazing. I mean, think about it. Could you and I walk into a bank today and say we have no collateral and on our word and our honor, could could we get a million dollars? Not unless I owned it, <laughs> right? I mean, right. So, um, you know, and the other thing that was unique about that story is that he went to, first he went to all the vendors who he didn't owe the liabilities to, right? He went to them and said, look, you know, you guys are the aluminum company or the plastics company or the, you know, the whatever the company that he's dealing with. I owe, you know, Little Giant, the old company owes you this much money. If you'll give me credit, let me start as Wing Enterprises. I promise you over time, I will pay you back all the money that the other company owes you. Every one of the vendors except one worked with him and he paid everybody back. Wow. That's amazing. Then he goes, yeah. And then he goes back to the the people that have, they're on the hook for ladders and calls them all up and says, I don't owe you this ladder, but I promise you, you're going to get a ladder. Incredible integrity. Awesome stories, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. What kind of experiences did you have? Because, you know, it must be hard working in a family business. And not so much about siblings, but working for your dad. First off, everybody might assume because you have the same last name that you have an immediate path to mm-hmm. the top. How did, you, how did you find your feet in the company and how did you make your own path? Well, there's a, there's a cool story. Um few years after I got married, I was still living in an apartment and I made a big mistake. I walked into my dad's office and I said, I want more money. Can you imagine <laughs> saying that to my dad? Yeah, I, I, I already can tell you what the response would be. He looked at me and said, just because you're my son doesn't mean you're going to get more money, right? And he goes, I could write you a check right now. I could go to you know, HR and say, give him you know, more money a month. But he goes, that's not the way it's going to work. He goes, you are no, have no more value to me right now, you know, he goes, you need to be worth more. And I was like, man, my dad is harsh, right? <laughs> and, um, but I did learn- And he doesn't mean worth more, meaning in net worth, you need to be worth more- To the company. In value. Exactly. You have to be adding value in the yeah, company. Yeah, and that's what he said. He goes, hey, you know, just because you're my son doesn't mean you're worth more money to the company right now. So you either need to go get more education or you need to do something else. So he goes, I've got a great opportunity for you. And that's one thing that I think Hal provided was opportunities. And so he says, our cleaning companies just quit. And he goes, you and your wife can come in in the morning or come at night. Here's how much it pays. You can clean the building. And, you know, he goes, you can get a house. So for, gosh, three, four, five years, I did this. Really? And my wife So and you I, were the janitor too. We were, yeah. Wow. And we made the money we needed. We got our house. And, you know, I learned a very valuable lesson by that. 
that, you know, my dad could have just given it to me. And I think that's part of the problem today with kids and their parents, some of these millennials, is, um, you know, that parents really do want to have a better life for their kids, but that's not the way to do it is just to give them everything. And so I, I just love my dad for that. At the time, I was a little bit upset, <laughs> but I learned my lesson and I thought, man, you know, I, I've got a dad that really cares about me, loves me, and wants me to grow as a person. So how does that carry to being even more successful in the company? What did you learn from that that you were able to apply to where you were able to add more value other than just some additional time and additional function at the company? Well, and then it was kind of interesting after that, I wanted to really, you know, I wanted to make the big money. And my, I had another competition with my dad and I didn't go in and say, give me more money. I went in and said, what can I do? So I learned something, right? I said, what can I do to be of more value? What is there something I can learn or do? And he's like, okay, the salesmen make all the money. They make the money. <laughs> and one thing about my dad that I did love about him is that he he supported the salesman 100%. He was a salesman. He knew the salesman went out there. And he always used to tell people, some people get all worked up in the office and rumors would go around, oh, the salesmen are making all this money. Hal would call everybody in and he would say, he'd draw a picture on the on the whiteboard of a tractor without the engine. And he'd say, what's missing? Somebody, oh, the engine's missing. And he goes, that's the sales force of Little Giant. And he goes, without that engine, that tractor does not run. And he'd say, there's not one, we don't need to build any ladders unless someone sells them first. And so wow. he'd say, and then he would say this, he was right. so funny. What good does it do to stack them in a warehouse? Yeah, and then he, he was so funny. He's like, he said, any of you that don't like the money that the salesmen make, come forward and apply for a job in sales and go out on the road and be away from your families. You know, so he'd just kind of throw it back at him. But anyway, so my dad says, you need to go on the road. You need to sell. You need to learn to work with people. And so that was a huge um, breakthrough for me was going out and developing relationships and um, selling our products. So and, how, um, how, what's the secret? Because you're good at this. Not only is your dad good at this, but you have it. And I don't know if it's innate, but what'd you learn? What's some secrets to developing relationships and being successful in sales? Well, I think it, you know, a lot of the customers, many of the customers that I dealt with, I'm dear friends with to this day. So I think you have to really learn, you know, you've got to be a friend, right? You've got to start with friendship and develop relationships with people. So you have to find out. Um, what people like, and it's not about you. Go in there, learn about them, what they're, you know, what they like to do, and and a little bit about them, and develop those relationships. And so, I mean, we have a uh, our first distributor down in California, in LA, is still a, is, is still a distributor of ours. And I'm a, I mean, I'm a dear friend of his. We call each other, you know, a couple times a month, and wow. you know, but when I was working there, we would go down and do things together, not business related. You know, he was into cars, I was into cars. We'd go to some big supercross races down there, and do things together, and um, you know, just become a friend. And so again, develop those relationships, but find an interest in people. And um, you'll have long-term friends. I mean, we were we did business together, but more important than that, you know, he'll call me. He goes, "I just got a new McLaren. You know, you got to see this thing." And, <laughs> and so, you know, I've stayed at his house. You know, we'll, we go out and do things. And 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 so, I think developing relationships with people, be genuine, and um, the rest will follow. You know. Well, I think people sense that. <clears throat> yeah. If they're just if you're just after their wallet. They know that they're going to be having their hand on their backside the whole time. Yeah. But if you really care about them and you care about their their customers, their success, sure, and you're there and you can help solve their problem and you're sincere, yeah, that should work. Yeah, and I mean, of, to me, it's always worked. Sure. And one of the things, I mean, just a small thing is, you know, I find out what they like, you know, little hobbies and things. I find out when their birthday is. I'd call them on their birthday, 
you know, and so I'm a big believer in recognition, things like that. Just, you know, get people's birthdays, put them in your phone and call them. And who would think I mean, you're selling, I mean, and you're not selling ladders to individuals, you're selling ladders to people who are buying for companies. Sure. Yeah. Either for their own use or they're re reselling them. But uh, right. so, I mean, you know, the, last week I talked to a guy up in Denver. Um, he was uh, the head of safety for charter communications and they bought millions and millions of our ladders for the cable wow. company. And he's retired, now I'm retired, but we're great friends. And so M my investment advisor, my insurance agent, I usually get a card or a phone call on yeah. my birthday from them and a few other friends, but n not other people I do business with. So that's amazing that somebody yeah. in industrial ladders would be well, I think wishing I a happy birthday to their customers. Yeah. And I, again, I learned this from my dad. I mean, here's one thing that goes back to honesty and integrity. If we were in a meeting with someone, say a vendor or a distributor, and um, my dad had this little saying that says, if it's not a good deal for everybody here around the table, then it's not a good deal. And he would say, if I'm getting the lion's share, that's not fair either. And so again, you know, it's gotta be good for everybody. And I, I really learned that to just be fair with people and Hal was totally fair with people, maybe even sometimes too fair, you know. He was very generous. Yeah, he was such too. a, and, his, and he had a, <clears throat> such a good heart, you know, I think that was big. But when you say fair, I want to make sure I understand what it means because I, I think how you might say it, I don't want it to be misinterpreted by our audience because sometimes some people think fair is you have to cut down way on price, but I know your dad. Yeah. He's going to stand behind his product, but he's going to stand behind his price. Sure. Too. Yeah. And I think when you're, again, like, let's say you're talking to a vendor, you know, he's saying, you know, maybe an aluminum extruder or something, he's saying it's got to be a win win for both of us. You know, we have to be able to make money off of your products and you have to make money too. You know, if you're oh, making okay. 80%, so you're not we're trying. making 20%, you know. So, but again, he would say, if I'm making that, then that's not right either. So he oh, was. Okay. So he's basically saying it's got to be for a good, the suppliers, but on the on the retail side, he knew what his he knew what he needed sure, out of that to of be course. innovative because you can't have a small margin and be able to innovate and continue to innovate. You, that time you're just spitting out the same old product. Sure. Yeah. What I first came into to know, little giant ladders, is not what it is today. Yeah. It, I mean, it's still as good a quality, but it's so much more innovative and so much more responsive to needs out there. And it's really about saving lives, which goes back to the people. So the company innovated, your dad bought it back, he paid everybody back. And now he brings on, he, he promotes somebody who's not a family member all the way up to president of the company, yeah. who's very innovative. Tell us a little bit about how that innovation really goes about to save lives and how that focus kind of changed in just selling Seven thousand, making seven thousand. Yeah, because the eventually the and that's a, week. A, that's a great question, Craig. Because eventually the infomercial, you know, even though it still is going, it you know that only lasts. The volume that they had only lasts for so long. Now, a big part of it too is that retail came along with that, and that that is more of a steady thing as well. So, all the boats floated up, and it right. was a big thing. But well, it certainly brought a lot of national exposure yeah. to what your product is. Yeah, but you're correct. But the one thing that really did help us is we made a very big decision on, okay, let's go ahead and make the company stronger. Let's innovate. Let's go into all these different verticals rather than just be this one horse pony type of thing that we had for years and years. And so 
really out of necessity of competitors knocking us off. And then we went into the infomercial. Then we grew the business and became, you know, went into the safety vertical. And what was really interesting was, is with Ryan Moss's leadership, I mean, I'll give him a lot of the credit, you know, because he, he brought a lot of um, patents and innovations and, and creative thinking into the company. No, but he's very humble. He doesn't take credit for much, even when I tried to give it to him in, the, in well, my interview with him. Yeah, and I mean... I used to tell people all the time, they'd say, wow, your products are fantastic. And I, used to, I would say, you know, I've got a big group I'm giving a presentation to. And I said, we got a lot of smart people, little giant. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them. <laughs> but, you know, and they'd laugh and joke, you know. Right. And so, but Ryan really had this vision of, you know, he's very creative and um, he came up with these ideas. And then we were able to go to market, but we were able to, um, again, listen to our customers and a big part of that was uh, the cable TV business, the telecom business. These guys came to Ryan and I and said, hey, we, we're carrying around, our techs are carrying around 100-pound ladders. We've got many back injuries, shoulder injuries. Guys are dropping ladders, you know, smashing into vehicles, things like that, dropping them everywhere, running into people's houses with them, damaging walls because they're so heavy. Right. And Workers' um, comp claims yeah. because of bad backs. And so they came, they came to us and said, is there any way you can uh, bring a ladder from 100 pounds down to 50 pounds, which is a huge task, right? Keep the same weight rating. And the interesting thing, Craig, about that was they went to the bigger ladder companies, the you know, the big dogs. And I guess I could say Warner Louisville and Bauer. You can say, right? Yeah, you can, because you're... Your company, your dad's former company is about to be sure. number two in the, yeah. in the world. And so they came to these other ladder companies and said, here's the thing that really helped us too. They, they went to those ladder companies and said, would you do this 50 pound ladder for us? And they said, oh yeah, we'll do it. And then they lied. They didn't do it, right? They just blew them off. So they came to us and two guys came, one from uh, Comcast and one from Charter and talked to Ryan and I at a show. And I'm dear friends with both these guys. And Ryan goes, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Within six months, they said, can you do it? And they both said when they walked off, they said, those guys are a bunch of liars. You know, just like the other ladder companies, they laughed. They, said, oh, really? never they laughed it. at you. Thinking, they laughed oh, at yeah, us. They'll never do it. Yeah. They say and they're so, going to do it. And so yeah. they remembered. They said about four months later, you know, they go, we get a phone call from Ryan. And Ryan goes, hey, how are you guys? Good. What can we do for you, Ryan? He goes, we have this ladder. And they're like, you've got to be kidding me. So at their next meeting, you know, we take the ladder, we show it to them. They're blown away. 50 pounds. And what happened was they said, we need 50 of these ladders. So all these cable companies, even though, even though they're competitors, the safety directors work together right. to save, you know, injuries, you know, prevent injuries and save lives. And, and yeah, so, I think Ryan even described it to me as somebody's going to go home to yeah. their family tonight. Yeah. So this, this makes a difference in people's lives. Yes, Workers. exactly. And so anyway, what happened was we send these ladders out and said, you guys just try them. Let your techs try them for a week, 10 days, two weeks, and then take them and give them to another tech. Well, what happened was they fell in love with the product, right? <laughs> and so um, techs were supposed to give it to the other guy and then, no, oh, this is my ladder. And So they wouldn't give it up. Hey, this is mine. <laughs> there was almost fights over these things. Wow. Like a tech could pull in with his, van, his ladder on his van and another guy would be hiding in the bushes. <laughs> grab it. And then he'd grab it all he's gone. And so, but what was really neat was, is these cable companies, they thought, okay, we'll just do this through attrition, right? But they save so many, so many, um, so much money with with these injuries and, and like you right. said, the fatalities, the medical claims. Yeah, the... it was in the millions. So they went ahead and said, "We're doing this," and we took over the cable market in a matter of like three years. And it was really great because right before I retired, the CEO of Warner Ladder Company came up and he goes. He starts talking to me and he goes, man, he goes, you guys just didn't make a dent in cable. He goes, you guys took the whole thing. <laughs> and I just smiled at him. I go, yes. And he goes, well, we're going to get it back. And I said, good luck to you. <laughs> that was all I said. But 
Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, and and you should be proud of it as a company. First off, that you'd have relationships that they would even come and ask you. That you would even be on the list mm-hmm. of people they would come to ask. And two, that you would follow through, and not only follow through, follow through in a big way. You deserve to own. Yeah. That I, business. I think again, if one which, which is a great lesson for business. Yeah. I love this because so many times, opportunity does come and knock on the door. Mm-hmm. And you know, who would have thought that day, right? I don't. I don't think Ryan went home and told you or your brother or your dad. Yeah. Hey, we're going to own this. I think he just put his mind to work and came up with something and really saw a vision of how he can make a difference. Yeah, and the thing, like you were just mentioned, we had, did not even produce a fiberglass ladder and and even a regular extension ladder. We had no idea. And that story is incredible because we started buying rail from this company in Virginia and making these ladders. And then all of a sudden, in like a year and a half, they increased their price by 40%. Wow. And so um, Ryan, again, Ryan makes a decision. He goes, well, okay, we're pay- paying $5,000 a truckload from Virginia for freight. And we just had... In a year and a half, we had you know, 40, 50% price increase. He goes, let's just pull true to our own rail. And we're like, we've never made fiberglass rail before. We don't know what we're doing. Ryan goes, we'll figure it out. And I he mean, did figure it out because when I out. toured the factory recently, I saw them making the fiberglass yeah. rails. And that is a proprietary material developed by Ryan and his team. And I'm telling you, the other ladder companies, are they have re- reversed it. They bought our ladders. They've reversed engineered it. And, and what was- figure it out. They can't figure it out. Well, he also, don't you have the patent on the color? Yeah. So the green color, that's amazing. Yeah, and so but what was funny is I we saw some of these guys, our competitors at shows, and they're like, they laughed at us. They said, Nobody wants this lightweight ladder while we were stealing the cable market from it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they woke up three years later and they're trying to make the, the same, same lightweight ladder. ladders and they can't do that, what we're doing. So you've always stayed ahead of your competition in the markets you go after. Because mm-hmm. in your opinion, a ladder is not a ladder. I mean, it's yeah. it's really a vehicle with multiple uses. And it really is about saving lives. I mean, I think yours not only is more safe, but how how do you stay ahead? I mean, it's that's got to be a hard and tireless job. Well, again, kudos to Ryan. They really ramped up their um, innovations team. And we spend a lot of money on patents. We spend a lot of money on engineers, but it really paid off in spades. I mean, yeah, we made the investment. But, and the, so these guys are thinking all the time and Ryan leads these guys and they just, we stay like two, three steps ahead of the competition because, and you know, we just keep doing it. And it's, in, it's it really is blessing the company like crazy now. It, it's amazing to go from selling a bunch of them overnight where you have sales every morning, you wake up because they run the infomercial at night and mm-hmm. people are buying your ladders to now you're selling to industrial uses. Yeah. Well, here's something we never thought about, Craig. One thing that's wonderful about selling to construction companies and electricians and, and the industrial is, guess what? They run over ladders. They're on ladders all day. They wear out faster. And so we, oh, we, yeah. on the infomercial, we might sell a guy one for the rest of his life and that's it, right? I still have so, the one I got. Yeah. And so again, because you're not 25 years ago. Yeah. And yeah. so we're turning over, you know, people are using these and they're stolen and they break. And Yeah. I use mine seven to 10 times a year. And so, yeah, we open up a whole new marketplace and they, they turn ladders over a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah. They're not necessarily that destructible, but a truck, if it runs yeah. over, it could yeah. well, the, <laughs> inhibit the safety of you it. You know, the one thing too, that we never thought about, the cable guys came back and said, hey, this has opened a whole new market for us that we can actually fi- uh, hire now female technicians because they couldn't lift those heavy ladders. Wow. And the one thing they liked about the female techs is females are a lot more meticulous when they do the installs inside, you know? 
guys are just like slam bam thank you ma'am get it done right i mean <laughs> get they out do. of there right yeah, yeah and they're knocking over people's mirror you know their lamps and stuff and you know they don't screw the holes in right and stuff women are like okay we got to get this you know so right so it, it actually made made a whole new um marketplace for them for employees wow and it allowed like them that. to respond to the trends of today of yeah. hiring and job opportunities yeah and so something again that blessed them we never even thought of right but it's a it's an interesting feature, right? Yeah. Accidental success on yeah. that one. Great. What other things about your dad that did he teach you in your personal life? I know we've talked business, but and a lot of these you can apply to your personal life, but what have you applied in your personal life that you observed your dad that he never told you? He didn't say, here's a three phrase uh, here's three word phrase, mm-hmm. you know, live by this motto. What, what, what was it that you observed? Well, w- one of the things that I noticed about my father was that he was very meticulous and very organized, um, very clean. You know, his vehicles were clean. He was always dressed very neatly. Um, he took care of his things and said, hey, if you take care of these things, they're going to last a long time for you. And that carried over into the business. And so I thought, okay, you know, he was always an early riser, uh, you know, good dresser, took care of his things, everything had its place. And so I think to be organized between him and my mission president, who was a general in the Air Force, those two men were so uh, organized and I learned both from them, but my dad was just amazing that way. And then the other thing was we talked about his um, his ultimate confidence that he had in himself. And so, of course, that has to rub off on you a little bit, right? Because he told us, you guys can do anything you want to, as long as you do it honestly and you work hard and, you know, don't quit. You know, he always used to say, you know, you're only a loser until you quit, right? That's amazing. Because I'm sure he had days he was wondering if he was going to succeed. There were days that he would come home and he'd say, if I don't sell five ladders tomorrow, we're busted. Now, really? In the beginning, yeah. And so he <laughs> knew exactly how many ladders he had to sell. But his confidence, um, his work ethic, you know, he like we talked about before, he here's a story for you. He was at a trade show and he finally hired a couple salesmen. And my dad would not take lunch. He would not go to the bathroom. He would stand there for eight to 10 hours a day. And so this first show- And do the demonstrations. Yeah, and do yeah, the never demonstrations. Never take a break. Right, and right. This, You've probably heard of Clark Butler. He was like the VP of sales, yeah, right? Yes. So he came up to my dad, the first salesman he hired, and he's like, hey, Hal, can I talk to you for a minute? And he goes, yeah, what's going on? He goes, um, uh, Hal, I know that this may be strange to you, but some of the guys, they need lunch and they need to go to the bathroom. And my dad goes, because my dad had thought, everybody thought the way he did, right? <laughs> right. Which, you know, he yeah, was a freak They're all of, just like me. He was a freak <laughs> of nature, right? Is what Ryan Moss always called my dad. Hal, you're a freak of nature. And so finally Clark said, Hal, people actually sleep at night and eight hours and they <laughs> eat lunch and they have to go back. And so once my dad understood that, he's like, oh yeah, let's do that. But let's do it in shifts, right? Right. So that we're so always- So somebody's yeah, always here he, covering it. He just it thought, everybody thought like he did. And so- um, Well, nobody could demonstrate like your dad anyway. I mean, he had it down. Yeah. And we'll probably show a little bit of the infomercial on this one too, just so people can see how, how he understood his product and the passion he had. Yeah. He can look right at you and you know he loves it. Yeah. And, and because his, he loves it, you want to love it. And I think that's why he never sold the company when he was alive. He had many offers, but he had this passion. Number one, he loved the company, right? But he loved the people more than that. And I remember one time this big Carlisle group came in from New York, big private equity company, fly into Provo on Learjet. There's like eight guys in suits. They come in and 
I swear the meeting only lasted like 20 minutes because really? they were supposed to be there all day. And Hal just cuts right to the chase and goes, if, uh, if you guys buy my company, what's going to happen to my people? And, the, and what will the company look like in a year or so? And the guy was like, well, you know, he's him haunting around. Hal just said- If you don't have a vision for it. Yeah, yeah. Hal's like, I want to know right now what's going to happen. He goes, well, you know, some people are going to lose their job. We're going to take everything offshore and this will just be like a warehouse and a small office and everything. And Hal goes, bye. And they're like, you're yeah. kicking us out? And he's like, <laughs> he's like yeah. Could have saved goes, yourself some time. The guy goes, this was, conversation. I'll never forget this. The guy goes, well, we're going to give you a lot of money. And here's the thing. My dad goes, I already have a lot of money. He goes, you just be giving me more. And he goes, I'm not going to do this to my people ever. Goodbye. Wow. And they got up and they were gone. That's and, amazing. And I, I'll tell you what, I really respected him. That were you day. in that meeting? I was in the meeting. Was your brother in the meeting? My brother was there and Ryan was there. Because and... the company recently sold. And from what I can tell, because I've been in there since it sold, everything's still intact. All the people mm -hmm. are intact. They're, in fact, probably even bringing more manufacturing into the United States than yeah, I think is I, presently done. I believe Art was very careful um, in selecting a company that... Uh, this company, based out of Chicago, uh, from what I've heard, that they buy a lot of American, you know, all American companies, and they hang on to them for. They just don't flip them in three or four years. But so, um, but yeah, so I was a so little bit. E either Art really believes that, and I never asked him that, or your dad's conversation still is ringing in his ears. What a, what an example I was of so commitment. Yeah, I was so impressed with him. And you think about the employees that were there. You you do you think they told the other people, the other employees, what he did? You better believe they yeah, did. Yeah, you bet. That brings a lot of pride. So yeah. what happens when somebody doesn't fit though? I mean, I still, okay, you believe in the people and you want to give them opportunities and create opportunities for them. But what if there's just not a fit or they're not doing the job? How did how did your dad handle that? Because that's really a almost a different story. When someone has the ability of a Ryan Moss and you bring them along, mm -hmm. that's great. But what about somebody that's not working out? Because there were people that I know didn't work yeah, out. Yeah. You want to hear a pretty cool story about yeah, that? Yeah, I want to hear that. Okay. So my dad uh, has to let this machinist go. And um, you know he just wasn't doing his job. I mean, it, it, there was no question. Everybody knew he wasn't doing his job. But my dad cared about him. So he gets let go. This was about a month before Christmas. About a week later, my dad calls me in to his office and he says, hey, you live by Joe. We'll just call him Joe. He goes, you live by Joe, don't you? And I go, yes. <laughs> and he goes, I want you to stop by his house. And he gave me an envelope. And um, uh, anyway, so I go, okay. You know, he didn't really tell me anything about it, but... Uh, you had no, you knew that he had been fired. I though. knew he was fired. So I'm yeah. like, I got to go to his house. And so anyway, yeah. his daughter comes to the door, you know, it's right before Christmas. And I'm like, is your daddy home? Yeah. You know, and she, you know, she's a smaller girl and he comes and he's like, what do you want? You know, <laughs> he's a big guy. I mean, this guy was probably six, five, you know, 300 pounds, a big man. I thought he's going to break my neck. You know? <laughs> so anyway, I hand this to him. And that I, gives you some really tough jobs. <laughs> yeah. I hand this envelope to him and I go, my dad want, wants you to have a Merry Christmas. And he just looks at me and like, he was shocked, you know, and he took it and closed the door. He didn't even say thank you. And um, anyway. Well, uh, he was probably speechless. Yeah, he was, you know, speechless. But what I found out later was that there were several thousand dollars in there that my dad had given him cash. Wow. Because, you know, he cared about this person. And he goes, you know what? He, he sat there and thought, Joe's not going to have a good Christmas this year. What kind of bosses do that. Wow. That's you know, amazing. Let the guy go and still takes care of him at Christmas time. So incredible, incredible example. Yeah. Uh, my mom and my dad were that way at Christmas time. And 
that was a time that, you know, obviously my dad, you know, let him know that it was from him, but so many times when they would do that, it would be anonymously, which was just incredible. Really? Yeah. They're not looking for the notoriety. Yeah. Yeah. I think I heard a story one time, maybe you shared it with me about the roof. Somebody's yeah. roof wasn't right. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, my dad, again, you know, you can call it, I mean, I think he honestly, and you know, we're both men of faith and of the same faith. I honestly think my dad prayed every day and asked God, who can I help today? And I think he got the answers. Um, but this uh, the guy that worked for us, he when I interviewed him for the book, he said that there were countless times where my dad would call him, say, meet me at this address. It's like, I meet, pull up there, there's your dad. <laughs> and one time he said, look at this guy's roof, you know, and Steve's like, what are we looking at his roof for? And, you know, he's thinking to himself and my dad said, look at that roof. He needs a new roof. And he goes, knock on his door, tell him that someone is going to be paying for his roof and um, to have a nice day. So he drives off, you know how he was, speeds <laughs> off in right. a Porsche, right? I'm not going to be around yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> and so Steve goes, I, the first time I go up to this guy's door and I'm thinking, what, do I, what am I doing? He knocks on his door. The guy comes to the door and he goes, hey, uh, you don't know me. I don't really don't knew, know you, but somebody wants to, you know, and somebody noticed your roof needs to be replaced and they want to do it for you. And I'm just here to help. What color shingles do you want? You want the same color? And the guy's like, Are you, is this candid camera? Or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is so, this? <laughs> so anyway, the guy's like, yeah, okay. And so he goes, okay, we'll be in touch. We'll get the bids and we'll come do it. And th the same employee said, Hal called him again one time and pulled up and he goes, look at this guy's car. He needs tires. He goes, go in and tell him, get the keys from him and take it down to the tire shop and tell him we'll bring it back with new tires. And he did. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. And just, they never knew who it was. They didn't know who it was. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. And that's the true, I think that's the spirit of, of true giving, but that's when you really care about people, when you're not looking for something in return. And I think that goes back to where we started this conversation. It is about the people. It's about truly caring about the people. And if your motivation is to make somebody's life better mm -hmm. by your product, your service, your interaction with them, and not expecting anything in return, isn't it funny? It always comes back around. It may not be from that same person, but look at the success that came back to your dad because he cared about people. And then he instilled that in others because he wasn't the one involved in the telecommunications success that your companies had, mm -hmm. but he built an organization of people that cared about what other people needed and respond to that. And I think that is probably the underlying principle in business that you can't teach in business school. You can't teach, it, it's, it's a human interaction. It's not something you can put in a textbook. Mm -hmm. And your dad embodied that. And if I can get any point across at all in my podcasts, it's that there's an emotional currency that goes beyond dollars and cents. And, I, and, and your dad's, what a great story. Somebody's sitting there offering him more money. He goes, I don't care about your money. I care about these people more. And I have enough for my needs. I don't, mm -hmm. I, you're just going to give me more. Great. But I, I really care about something more important than money. Yeah. I really believe that's why he never sold it because he knew that it would never be the, exactly the same and he would lose control and he didn't want to hurt those people. I really believe that. He cared. He loved those people so much that... Um, you know, and you'd see at Christmas parties, he'd get up there and, you know, share his feelings and, you know, and express his love to his employees. And he would, it would be emotional. I mean, and they were, people were crying and it was a wonderful place to work. I loved it. Oh, that's so great. I love the thought. I'm still trying to figure out the secret to giant success, but I can't wait to get the book. I can't wait to read it. 
Giant success, though, is is it really the giant of success is caring about people? Yeah, that's, I mean, if you look that's at- That's the measure of success? I think so. I mean, that was the whole reason, um, you know, for, for Hal to start a company. He goes, I wanted my sons to work with me, my family to work with me. But then he goes, I had all these other people that wanted to come work. And and so, you know, he, he wrote this poem that talked about opportunity, and we talked about that. And um, he gave opportunity to people. Some people, you know, may not have taken it, but for the most part, people were, you know, if they were good to Hal, he was good to them. And, um, you know, they, so many worked for him for years and years and, and just loved him, you know, that, like I said, he was just, he was a great boss and. Oh yeah. Not only a great boss, he was entertaining always. Yeah. He was always dynamic. He always had an opinion and you knew what it was. Sure. But he cared about yours too. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I mean, we had some, like you said, there was, it was an exciting place to work. You know, he, couple times he crashed his motorcycle out in the side of the building within his suit and <laughs> and uh, was yeah. bleeding all over the place. But Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. I always wondered what your mom thought and how she supported him through that. But you know what? They, they were different, but their strengths were so evenly balanced because her strengths were so polar opposite to your dad's that they just, and they thrived off of that. Yeah. And my mom didn't want to be in the spotlight, but she deserves a lot of the credit. You know, I mean, yeah. I always tell That's people- That's why I didn't want to end this without yeah. talking about her because there's the giant behind sure. the success. Yeah. And I always tell people from my dad, I really learned that, you know, through determination, hard work and perseverance, you can accomplish anything. And he was a little bit, you know, quite a bit of a risk taker. You know that. Oh yeah, big risk taker. And my mom Who was, else crashes their motorcycle <laughs> in their parking lot? Sure. And my mom, being from Germany, you know, growing up in World War II and, and having nothing, from her, I really learned how to take care of um, resources, balance checkbook and save, you know. And so I think between the two of them, again, they gave you a good foundation yeah. to where you're like, okay, dad gave us this and mom gave us this. Well, to have a significant other that will stay home while you're gone 300 days a year and help raise a family and provide and take care of the limited meager resources in the early days it is significant yeah oh yeah she believed in my dad and without that belief and support you know i mean that would be hard to do right yeah no anybody you've got to have anybody would struggle yeah well doug i really appreciate you taking the time this has so many nuggets of success that you've witnessed, experienced, participated in, and your ability to share these stories, I think, brings to life for me and hopefully for our listeners today. This has been spectacular. I appreciate you taking the time. I do appreciate you inviting me here. And uh, yeah, I mean, the stories of Hal Wing, his leadership is just the things that he did were, are amazing. I think hopefully the people will benefit from the book. Well, I, think so. I hope so. Not only from the book, but from his life. Because again, of, of all the business owners I've interacted with, I can think of three, and your dad's on the top three, that influenced my life. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm always grateful for that relationship. And it's it's continued with the sons. And I'm grateful for you and your brother and, and even Ryan continuing the relationship. It's a, it's a wonderful thing for yeah. me to call you a friend. I sure appreciate it. Good luck to you on your mission. Yeah, oh, thank you. thank you. Appreciate that. Well, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate you coming. This is Craig Willett, the Biz Sherpa. What a wonderful opportunity to learn the nuggets from Doug. Thank you. Be sure to go to our website to access the resources related to this episode at www.bizsherpa.co.
If you enjoyed this show, tell your friends about us and be sure to rate our podcast. Craig would like to hear from you, so share your thoughts in the Facebook community at bizsherpa.co. Follow us on Twitter at bizsherpa underscore co and on Instagram at bizsherpa.co.